All right. Hey, everybody. I am so excited about uh, what I'm hoping is a new consistent series and show that I can bring to all of you. Um, it's been a, a goal of mine for a long time to start something like this. And, and I'm finally starting with what I think is a very time uh, time appropriate interview about personal finances and raising your financial capacity. But first, I wanted to introduce you to the show and the series. I don't even know what to call it yet, but but welcome to Endless Capacity. Um, endless capacity, it, it's my personal pursuit to constantly improve. You know, I, I just believe that we're all operating at different levels of our own personal capacities and thresholds. And, and my passion is to not only improve my own, but also try to help others look to break through as, as individuals and grow as people. Um, it's an endless battle with ourselves. And, and, and again, my goal is to document my habits, my strengths, my successes, my struggles, and my weaknesses, all in an effort to just raise our level of output while decreasing stress, because that is the true measure of increased capacity is increased output over time while decreasing stress. So thanks again for tuning in. I please, I hope you enjoy the show and I hope I can continue to produce and, and create more of these. Thanks everybody. All right, so we are gonna start with our very first guest ever on the show. Uh, and it's a really cool guest because he's my brother, Nick Capello. So a little bit about Nick before we dive into the questions. So Nick is a financial consultant for Liebenthal Global Advisors. That means he covers personal clients as well as business accounts, spending the majority of his time planning for their current financial needs as well as their future wealth. In addition to trading and portfolio management, Nick researches each mutual fund used on his platform by sitting down with portfolio managers on a regular basis to get their opinion on the economy, which is gonna be key for today's discussion. In addition to his day-to-day -day job and being my older brother, Nick's a former Division I uh, and professional soccer player, as well as a competitive bodybuilder, and he won the Classic Physique title at the 2019 Metropolitans just last year. Nick likes to say he's a wealth asset manager by day and a bodybuilder by night. So please, everyone, welcome Nick to the show, and we're going to dive in. Nick, welcome, man. Thanks for having me. Cool. Glad to be here. No, first off, thanks for doing this. This is really cool. And just for everyone that's, that's watching, uh, you and I were on the phone the other day just catching up, seeing how we're doing, how the family's doing. And we just started talking about finances. Yep. And I said to you, this would be really good to just go online and talk about because from what I've heard and what I've talked about with my friends and colleagues and even old coworkers, no one really knows what's going on right now. Um, so I figured, hey, let's just jump on a conference and let's record this and see, see what's going on. So I wanted to just dive right in and get your opinion on a few topics. Um, again, these are topics that I've heard. I'm by no means an expert or know what I'm listening to. But these are things that have come up a bunch of times, so we'll dive right in. If it's cool, I'll just I'll just kind of go through the list, and, and we'll see your thoughts on a bunch of stuff that I think is happening cool. right now in our economy. Cool. So the biggest number I keep hearing, Nick, is 30% down, 30% down. And and it seems to be a number that's that's being called out in terms of like our, our portfolios, our 401ks, and even other markets. Like ironically, uh, I'm in the digital advertising space, and, and ad prices are even 30% down. Like... Just in general, is that number accurate? And like, how do, how do you feel about that, that number is kind of like the one that's touted right now? It is accurate number, unfortunately. Uh, over the last two weeks in the economy, the stock market, we've seen the markets drop over 30% due to the global crisis of coronavirus, unfortunately. Part of it in the beginning was the battle between the Russians and Saudi Arabia over oil prices. So you had these two monster geopolitical events happening at the same time, the oil war 
and coronavirus causing the markets, the stock markets to drop over 30%. Fortunately, the last three days, we've had a little bit of a bounce back in the stock markets, but I don't believe it's going to hold up. I still believe we're going to go back down a little bit further. Um, the markets like to test these technical support levels. Now, the number 30, 30%, it will affect all aspects of the economy. It will affect your digital marketing um, business, the restaurant business. Why is that? People see themselves losing money in, in the stock market. What are they going to do? They're going to stop going out and buying things. The consumers make up the majority of the U.S. economic system. Consumer power is what drives this country and the world. So if you have less money or you're losing money, what are you going to do? You're not going to go buy the new iPhone. You're not going to go out to eat. You're not going to buy a new appliance for your house. You might hold off on home renovations. And that's going to trickle down to you. the waitresses aren't making money, the contractors aren't making money. So everybody's business will, will trickle down. Got it. Got it. And the, the other thing that I think people immediately go to um, is like their 401ks. So like I've been taught and you've actually taught me this as well as our first financial mentors, our, our crazy dad and our amazing poppy, our grandfather, um, that we obviously can't touch our 401ks. Um, but should we be thinking about how we um, contribute to them or the aggressiveness of our portfolio? Like how do we think about our 401k now in a down market? Today, with a 401k, it really depends on where you are in your life. If you are a younger adult, you have time and you're going to continue to work for many years for your 401ks to recuperate any losses that you have suffered and make some money back over the next 20, 30, 40 years. If you're a person in the older generation who are maybe close to retiring or has retired and you are dependent on your 401k or IRA for income, it's a different conversation. You, people should not try not to um, take money out of their 401ks. You can take a loan. Most 401ks do provide you with a loan, but you do have to pay it back in X amount of days. There are loan provisions. So you are paying it back to yourself but it is, it is a taxable event and as ordinary income if you do not pay back that loan in time. Mm. Now, with the new stimulus package coming out, there may be parts of that say you can withdraw from a retirement plan or 401k without penalties that's yet to be determined in concrete um, documents. Got it. Got it. So before someone tries to, you know, obviously <clears throat> they don't want to cash out their 401k, Maybe their own loan is is the first option. What are some other options that you'd recommend? Is it is it a home equity loan? Is it a line of credit? Is there some other way for them to get money without touching, you know, that that four hundred one k? Especially if they're young and they want that to to grow over time. The first thing most people need to do is take a step back and say, what am I spending, in a weekly basis, a monthly basis? Right now, what's going on? What's the biggest thing we've everybody seen is the hoarding of these consumer products from the grocery stores, toilet paper, water, food, what have you. Right. If people are financially burdened because of the market drop off and they don't want to touch their 401ks, 
instead of hoarding all those products, shop week to week what you need. Because you might be buying products that you're not going to need for six, eight months when this is all over. So if you own a home, you can apply for a home equity loan. Um, And usually most people refinance at the same time, which is, is, is a good time to refinance due to what's happening to interest rates. But people have to keep in mind, if you lived in that home for 15, 20 years, what happens? You're starting a 30-year mortgage all over again. Right. If you've only yeah. been in the home yeah. for five, six, seven years, it's really not that big of a difference. You're turning the clock back five, seven years. But you will generate some income that you can use to spend on um, everyday things, medicines or just bills that you have to pay, um, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And you touched on it quickly a few minutes ago, but I do want to come back to it. So these, the, you know, the, the older generation, these pre-retirees or people that just recently retired, you know, they woke up and 30% of their savings was just missing. Um, what, what, what should they be thinking about? What kind of mindset do you recommend? Or even like, you know, what, what would you tell somebody, even if it was a friend or family or a potential client around like what to do with your retirement right now, um, especially if you're in that, you know, I'm not working anymore phase. Okay. If you look at that generation, they have lived through 2001, 9-11, 2008, the stock market crash, and not that long ago, December of 2018, what happened? The stock market went down 20% in a month. That was over a year ago. It wasn't that long ago. Dude, people forget that. I mean, I've only thought about 2008. I haven't thought about any of the other ones. Nobody thinks about 2001, 9-11. No one thinks about 1987, the uh, the tech crash. Right. The younger generation hasn't been around that long, but the older people have seen these events take place. And what happens? The 401ks or investment accounts, they'll go down 30 40%, and over time come back up. Unfortunately, there are many people out there who don't have an advisor actively managing their account saying, we need to reevaluate your personal situation. Do we need to take your 401k or IRA and make it more conservative, not as risky because you are going to be dependent on this income for the next 15, 20, 30 years because you're no longer working. Now, there are people out there who say, no, I plan on leaving this money to my children, my grandchildren. I don't need to live. Then we have a different conversation, but mm-hmm. nobody wants to see the their portfolios drop 30, 40%. Investing, that is part of the game. But if you have an advisor who uses diversification in a portfolio and is actively managing it, meaning they're buying and selling based on what's going on in the economy worldwide, you're going to avoid those, uh, avoid those losses. Got it. Got it. And then, you know, so taking like another turn there, like talking about millennials, right? It's the popular segment, the popular group everybody mm-hmm. talks about. But I think people forget that how, how big that group really is. That, that's really anyone who right now is 24 to about 39. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you consider yourself a millennial or not, um, that is the age range officially. So um, what, what are the short-term plans and the long-term plans for millennials? And, and not just in relation to this crisis, like what should that group be doing regardless? Because I think there's two buckets to that group. There's this, there's the younger bucket that 24 to 30 and then that 31 to 39. So, you know, what, what would be your advice to that, that the, to the millennial segment, both short-term, long-term in terms of just savings and, 
and how they should be thinking about their future, the way that we just talked about retirees. Unfortunately, the millennials today have the biggest issue that we've seen for generations. That is coming into the workforce with enormous student loans and not being able to afford a place to live in their own. Um, maybe they, they have to live with home with mom and dad or with family because of these enormous student loans. And what happens? You're just starting out a new job. You're not going to be making um, that much money where you can afford to live and when it, com when it comes to millennials in the stock market my first piece of advice is once they get a full-time job and they are eligible is to start partaking in a retirement plan of some sort if it's not through the business you can do it individually um, and if you if your job does offer you one partake in a 401k or 403b which is usually used for teachers or professors mm. When it comes to investing, not only millennials, but people of all ages, you can't act irrationally. You have to stay the course, believe in your advisor is paying attention to the accounts. If you're doing yourself, you don't want to try and time the market. Nobody has that crystal ball that works. So you have to be able to go to bed at night and say, I'm comfortable with how my portfolio is set up as far as a risk tolerance and I know it's going to have its ups and downs but over time I will have made some I will have made some money in the markets for my future mm -hmm. um, got it so yeah and I'm happy you brought up the, the the student loans and just like the college financial burden to begin with because I what I'm seeing now too it's because of corona and this this quarantine and the social distancing is how quickly the um, uh, our friends, our families, our our nieces, nephews, kids, everybody's just fully embraced online learning. And schools have literally ramped up internet college education. College education's online now, high school, and now even elementary and kindergarten. It's all just working. From a college standpoint though, do you think that what's happening right now is gonna have any type of long-term disruption in the college financial system? The loans continue to rise, as you said. Most people are leaving college in debt. So are you seeing anything from an online learning standpoint that, that may actually impact the future of that, that system that maybe college is a bubble in itself? I think it's potentially uh, an issue for the future. Um, you know, everybody tells you growing up, you have to have a college degree to get a job. When in fact, as you get older, you know that's not necessarily the case. How many people do we all know that's out there that go to college for a specific degree and then go do a job in something completely different? Right. Um, that happens a lot more than people realize. Right. I think the online education that's being forced upon us today could start a precedent for future. Um, and you might see more of these online college programs mm. um, replace in classroom because then the colleges, what happens? They can reduce the number of professors they have to pay, uh, reduce the number um, of supplies they have to provide for children. So it has a trickle effect. If they can still charge an expense to the student to get the degree online, but not have the overhead of paying professors or supplying um, things in the classroom, 
I don't see why they wouldn't do that. Right. But right. you know, that's a that could be a long time down the road. We, me, and you may never see that. Mm -hmm. But it could definitely take place. Um, I mean, when you looked at what's going on today, the first schools to go online were who? The Ivy League. Harvard right. was one of the first schools to say, that's it, everybody off campus, we're going online only. Princeton was to follow, George Washington. Mm -hmm. And then right. other universities continued to follow their footsteps. Mm -hmm. Got it. Now, that, make, that makes a ton of sense. I didn't even think of that, too, with the Ivy Leagues kind of leading the way. I've been watching more locally, but it's true. They, they were the first ones that kind of dove yeah. in there. Um, so s switching back to, to trading, let's say – you know, I'm an individual that likes to do my own trading, either through online tools or emerge, some of these emerging financial tech platforms. Um, if, if I'm not working through an advisor or another broker, what products or markets should I be watching really closely right now as the, as the corona crisis kind of takes its place here? If we're looking at today's economic markets, everything over the past three, four weeks has gone on sale. It has dropped in price. So looking forward, and I today did this for my clients, we invested into municipal high-yield bonds, convertible bonds, and some ultra-short fixed income bonds. Mm. What does that mean? Those are conservative products that can, can prov provide some dividends and yields into your client's accounts, make them money without a lot of risk you're tiptoeing back into the market after it's sold off 30, 35%. Coincidentally, the three things we, that I just mentioned that we purchased today, we sold out of the same three of um, about 30, 60 days ago when they were up for the year. So we sold them when they were up about three, 4% for the year. As of today, they were down 15 to 20% for the year. Wow. We, we sold them high. We bought them low because we believe the market's going to start coming back up. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people say, well, that's boring. I want to own Apple, Google, ExxonMobil, mm. Amazon, Facebook. And those are all valuable investments. <clears throat> and you could purchase things like that inside of a mutual fund or on their own. And I believe besides three investments I just mentioned, there was a lot of value to be had in U.S. companies going forward mm -hmm. um, because the U.S. economics is strong. The fundamentals are still strong. We're just going through a geopolitical pandemic mm -hmm. that's causing this market to sell off. Um, unemployment rates rose to over 3 million today. Yeah, crazy. Um, many people know that's, that's temporary because of what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, people are finding full unemployment because they're not getting paid. They don't have a job. Right. Um, but there is, there is economic um, opportunities out there. I'm um, you know, not telling you to go buy this company or that company. Mm -hmm. But you know, to look at the U.S. companies or some reasonable um, fixed income positions to start um, would be a good, uh, prudent idea. Got it. Got it. Um, no, that's, that's great advice. And even it's funny, like the, I remember – a few years ago when I was just like trying to update my own education, I was like, why don't I own Apple stock? They're just releasing the iPhone. And, and uh, I remember getting talked off the ledge there and, and kind of getting the, the, the real time education on that. Um, so now, you know, I'm thinking like I work for a real estate advertising platform. 
Um, and I spend a lot of time thinking about that market, just the real estate market in general. How, how do these economic um, trends impact that sector specifically? Like, does it, does it actually do the inverse of real estate? Because now you're talking about a tangible piece of property or building versus, you know, a stock, a bond or a mutual fund. Um, and, and if so, does it, is that where people should be investing money short term or, or does real estate just follow the same trends and, and that's going to be down to? I'm very curious of, of how that works. Real estate sector is a very volatile sector, meaning it, it's going to have its ups and downs quickly. Um, again, I'll go back to 2008. The real estate market crashed. Mm-hmm. That was due to the banking system and the credits um, losing their values. Today, we've seen actually February home sales, um, residential homes, had a great month. Mm-hmm. Sales were up. Unfortunately, though, it's not the same for commercial real estate, which is having a harder time mm. solely because after 2008, the banks were forced to have to keep um, capital requirements for themselves. I mean, they can't give for commercial real estate as regularly normally as, as usual. Mm-hmm. So now it's a little bit harder and takes longer to get those mortgages um, for commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to see on, for individuals who are trying to purchase a home, it's taking longer because um, interest rates have dropped. So millions of people are trying to refinance the homes, which is mm. basically just prolonging the process. Right. Um, but it's still, real estate is never a bad thing to own. You know, most people say, I'm just, I, I, I just spent $300,000 on a piece of property and it's gone. No, it's not gone. You still own it and it will be worth more in the future. It's just not, you can't spend it. Right, right. So, and you kind of brought this up, speaking of the interest rates piece, you know, those seem to be dropping or at least rumored to dramatically drop. You know, every day I, I hear that they're, gonna, they're, they're not going to be any rate. It's going to be super low. Um, you know, and this, this goes across everything, not just real estate. So should we as, as consumers be thinking about running to the bank and refinancing our homes or, or our cars or getting other bank loans right now? And, and if not now, like what's that percentage number that, that makes it like a must do? Like, all right, go to the bank and, and get this done because this is, this is unprecedented. Like what, what's your feeling on that? Interest rates are historically at their lows today. Mm. You ask our parents, grandparents, what their interest rates were when they were um, going through this, they were 7 8%. Mm. Today, wow. we're looking at, we'll call it 35 to 4%, somewhere in there. Yeah. Now, two weeks ago, what did we see due to coronavirus? The U.S. Fed cut interest rates twice within, within a week. Um, that doesn't mean that your mortgage rates are going down. Mm-hmm. One does not have to do with the other, and everybody has that misconception. Oh, yeah. What is, the, what is the Fed fund rate? The Fed fund rate, which they cut, is the dollars that banks lend to one another. That's the rate that they are charging each other as mm-hmm. banks. And to make it worse, which is why I was not a proponent of cutting federal interest rates, is that's what the government is paying us to hold 
U.S. bonds in our portfolios. So why would I want to only? Why would I want to give the U.S. government ten thousand dollars if they're only going to pay me one and a quarter percent? Historically, that should be three, four, five percent, and that's right. something people are looking for today in their investments is something that's yielding three, four, five percent. Now those are out there, but they're not as common and not as um, available as they once were. Right. So with the Fed cutting rates, you, the interest rates for our mortgages have gone down, but they're not going to be as low. And people believe that to be, but it's not the case. Mm. So when you're looking to refinance today's market, if your mortgage is over four and a half to five percent, you should definitely look to refinance. Mm-hmm. If you're around that three and a quarter to four and a half you're going to spend money to maybe not really get much lower. Um, right. well, our fees involved, they're not doing this for free. Mm-hmm. And um, so you have to keep that in consideration. Right. Right. You know, I think a lot of the moves right now that, you know, us as consumers and, and just, you know, American citizens are thinking about are really interesting. And, and the, and, and you mentioned it at the top of our, of our conversation, but, you know, I think just last night, the stimulus bill, um, was passed through the Senate, this, this $2 trillion stimulus bill for, for Americans. And, and I'm very curious, like, you know, I've heard all different things. I've heard what's in it, what's not in it, what's, what's secretly in it, what got taken out. And, and I'm, I'm personally confused. So I, I just wanted to see if, if from your point of view, if you could just go through, like, what does the stimulus bill for, mean for families and individuals? Okay. And then, and then talk a little bit about small businesses and how funds will be used, um, to help small businesses kind of get out of this, this real, this real down dark period for them. Cause you know, they're, they're the ones I think that are going to suffer the most um, after we're, we're out of this rut here. So our politicians have put together a stimulus package for the U S um, what it is exactly. It's still not a hundred percent clear no. today. We saw that individuals will get $1,200 a piece, $2,400 a household, Mm-hmm. And then five hundred dollars per child. Okay, but when you look into it deeper, it says that's for only people who make less than I believe it was seventy five thousand dollars a year, based off okay. your tax returns of two thousand eighteen. I see. Okay, if you make more than seventy five, it then becomes a sliding scale. Now I've seen numbers; it goes from twelve hundred to nine hundred dollars to $800 to $600. And if Mm. you make more, I forget the number I saw, you're not getting anything. Mm. So it is trying to help the middle and lower class individuals get through this tough time. Mm -hmm. They have done this twice in the past. And people forget in 2008, they did a stimulus package. And in 2001, they did one. In 2001, it took six weeks for the U.S. Um, citizens to get their checks. In 2008, it took three months. Yeah. It's a yeah. long time. I, yeah, I remember 08. That I remember. People are saying, oh, you know, you'll have it come middle of April. How are they going to do that fast? I've heard that just IRS is going to start cutting checks to the individuals. I heard some um, senators are trying to propose to send people debit cards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
what good is a debit card if you can't go out and shop? What right. are you going to do with it? <laughs> you can actually spend it. <laughs> so to me, that doesn't help a lot of people. They, yeah. they don't want to do that. Um, yeah. The stimulus package, from the start, it was said they were going to bail out the airlines and the cruise ship um, industries. Right. No problem with that. Um, they've been shut down. Nobody's traveling. How long is it going to take for people to start to travel? I mean, well, you see in China, their economies open back up. People are going, I think they're at 90% back to work. But yeah. They're not flying anywhere. They right. can't. Right. We have a no-fly uh, policy in the United States. You can't le enter the country. And if right. you do, yeah. you're quarantined. Mm -hmm. So the airlines are going to bounce back from this in three, four, five weeks. They'll eventually get back to normalcy probably in months. Because mm. people aren't going to be so quick to jump on a plane. Um, so I get the stimulus package for them. The biggest problem or concern is the small business owners, like you mentioned. Right. Part of the stimulus package, from what I understand, is supposed to be grants for small business owners. The dollar amount was not specified. Um, wow. But it was, I did read that they were going to be monitored where that money went to make sure it goes to the staff. So if you're a small business owner, have a restaurant, um, a gym, or a yoga studio, mm -hmm. they want to see that you're taking that grant and giving it to your employees who aren't making any money right now. Right. So hopefully that's how it pans out, but nothing has been set in stone. Um, we'll see um, what the final outtake is going to be. You know, the biggest difference between now and the stimulus package in the past was Today, the banks are healthy, the credit system's healthy, so the money is available. The Fed has agreed to buy up everything that people mm -hmm. are trying to sell in the stock market as far as municipal bonds and treasuries. They have an unlimited amount of money to spend because why? They can just print their own money. Right. So everybody is trying to work together to make this as smooth as possible. It's just a matter of when these packages um, are going to be approved and the checks will go out to the people hopefully the checks yeah got it great well nick this has been great from a from from a financial standpoint i think we covered every topic that i've at least heard from people it's funny i i've thought a lot about this type of saying and basically you know roger mayweather floyd mayweather jr's famous trainer just passed away last week he's the guy that basically trained him his entire yeah. career and he had this great saying late in floyd's career where he was getting interviewed once and guy asked him a boxing question and and Roger Mayweather turned and said, most people don't know shit about boxing. And I feel like lately it's like most people don't know shit about finance or, or what's happening. And I felt that way talking to just friends, colleagues, coworkers, peers, watching the TV. I don't know what I'm listening to and I don't know what I'm talking about. So I think what we went through was super helpful. I do now want to take a few minutes to talk about you a little bit because, you know, what, one of my personal passions and goals in in this show and 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 potentially my just what I do online is 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 documenting my personal uh, capacity my strengths my weaknesses my habits because my passion is is finding what other people are passionate about and raising their actual work capacity so you're someone who again your wealth management by day your bodybuilding by night but you you have a lot of things that you're up to so I'm just curious like Tell us a little bit more about yourself, your passions, what you're doing outside of the office when you're not thinking about all these other things and, 
And, um, and I'd love to just hear a little bit more for the, for the people that are watching. Um, you know, I'm just I'm a guy who loves to spend time with his family. Um, always been family orientated. I think, um, that goes back to our grandparents. Um, I'm blessed to have a wonderful wife that, um, keeps me grounded and we try and do things together when we can. Um, you know, when I'm not at work, I want to just kick back and relax and not think about it. Um, I go to the gym every day. That's my release from life. Um, I don't have to think about anything. I could just go there and enjoy myself, you know. <laughs> I played soccer my whole life. I always had that outlet. And when I got done playing professionally in, in Vermont, when I lived there, I had to find something to fill the void. And bodybuilding is what it, what it was. Um, and I truly love it. Um, I think it goes hand in hand with anything you do in life. People um, need structure. And I'm one of those guys that, I will work 150% at my bodybuilding career as well as my financial advising career um, because it just makes me more well-rounded, mm. uh, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. And I think that's the balance, the professional and personal lifestyle have to. balance is, is everything and, and kind of raising the ceiling on, on both when you can. Um, we'll tell everybody how to reach you, but I did catch a funny Instagram story of you doing walking lunges with a barbell on your back on yep. your sidewalk the other day. Uh, Cause gyms are closed, but you're not, you're not giving up the grind. So, uh, nope. um, so in, in meaning that, how, how can people find you? If people want to reach out to you, they want to ask you questions or they just want to follow you. What's the best way to do that? Where, where, where are you online? Um, I'm on uh, Instagram. It's Nick cap CAP 17. I'm just Nick Capello on Facebook. Um, if people want to email me, <clears throat> they feel free to email me at, N Capello, C-A-P-P-E-L-L-O, at laymanthal.com. That's L-E-B-E-N-T-H-A-L. Um, and for anybody watching this, please feel free to contact me with questions, concerns about anything um, financially related or not. Um, if you have questions about working out or um, anything, I'm available to help, help you in any way I can. And most people don't have an advisor they can reach out to when it comes to the finances. Maybe they're scared or their advisor doesn't, isn't proactive to call them um, three times a year at minimum. Um, you got to have these conversations. And it's your money. You have every right to know what's going on and what's taking place. And always remember that. Awesome. Well, Nick, thanks again. I really appreciate that. Th thank you for allowing me to do this with you. Oh, thank you. Um, not only is this amazing information for everybody, myself included, but this is officially the start of something I hope to do more often. And, and I didn't know where to start, so I started with blood, uh, and that's you. So thank you for that. And I figure that if the Cuomo brothers can go on CNN three times a week and just sit there side by side, then we can do it too and yeah, have a little fun. Why not, right? So um, listen, man, um, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, tell everybody I said hi and uh, we'll talk soon, man. Thanks again. Thank you. Cool. Bye. Take care. Bye.